Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to a live simulcast episode of the Huddle Up Podcast on YouTube and Facebook. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. He is the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we've got an AFC West showdown about to kick off tonight as we begin our simulcast. you got the Chargers and the Raiders. Who you got tonight, bro? I think it's going to be a good game regardless. I think I'm going to stick with the Raiders. I'm going to take them. In, I, I don't know if they're favored or not. I don't know if they're underdogs in this game, but I'm going to go with John Gruden's team. I like what the offense is doing lately. I like how Derek Carr is playing, and uh, I just don't think Phillip Rivers has it this year. He's not as strong as a quarterback, and overall, with Anthony Lynn, that team isn't as strong as they were last year, so I like what the Raiders are doing. I'm taking Oakland tonight. Man, the Raiders are a team that's just hard to get a beat on what they've got cooking down there. There's so many... They've taken so many steps forward in year two under Gruden, but at the same time, they can't really move the needle forward. Like they're still basically perpetually stuck in a, you know, they're they're a coin flip team each and every week. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when they're on, they can beat most teams in the NFL, but when they're off, they'll get blown out. So it's either going to be one way or the other uh, tonight's game. I can definitely see a Chargers just resounding victory. Then again, I can see that John Gruden and the offense playing really well tonight. You know, Phillip Rivers – if I'm not mistaken, is going to be a free agent next year. We know John Elway's penchant, right? This is just me spitballing. He likes, he feels comfortable. The warm blanket is comfy and makes him feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> that veteran quarterback. Would you want to see Phillip Rivers, the Broncos, make a push for Phillip Rivers? And I ask also you guys, what would you guys think, our listeners and viewers live? You know what? I, I don't want Elway to keep going back to the well. I am done with the the, the, the Band-Aid quarterbacks. But if there's any one, I would take Phillip Rivers. I, I'm still a big fan of his. I think he still has gas left in the tank. And I would take him infinitely more over Cam Newton, let's say. 
I just don't think Rivers is going to uproot his family with all his 20 kids and, and wants to move out to Denver <laughs> and play for a rival of the Chargers. I think ultimately he'll retire there. He'll get a deal done. We have a our first donation of the night from Stephen coming in with 10 bucks, and he's got a question here that we're going to get to, Stephen, um, on Super Chat $10. We're going to get to that you. one second. We're going to answer. Thank you very much. Let me just remind everybody a couple of quick things, and then we'll dive into this show and answer your awesome question there and a very pertinent question. But a reminder, this is the Huddle Up Podcast, and you guys got to make sure you're following the show on Twitter. It's great you're following on YouTube. It's great you're following on Facebook. Make sure you're following the Huddle Up Podcast on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. That's how you stay plugged in in real time to what Zach and I are doing with the show. And then all of you watching right now and listening, whether it's in the moment or down the road in the podcast version, make sure you take some time, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a creative review. And if you like what Zach and I are doing, a five-star rating, because that not only helps the show out tremendously on Apple Podcasts, but it enters you into our monthly giveaway that we do with some Huddle Up Podcast Mile High Huddle swag. So take care of that business for us. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, we got to answer Steven's question here. When can the Broncos re-sign Phillip Lindsay? The answer, Steven, is that any at any point the Broncos can re-sign Phillip Lindsay, but that's not really going to be an issue until 2021. He's a restricted free agent. So they've got him next year, and basically following the 2020 season, he's going to be a restricted free agent, so they've got him in 2021 on an RFA tender. Somewhere in between 2021 and 2022, probably Zach. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he's under the Broncos' control the next couple of years, like you just laid out, for relative pennies. They're not going to give him a Le'Veon Bell-type contract if they don't have to yet. Uh, more than likely, he will get paid by Denver. He is established as the Broncos' centerpiece player, their, their main fire plug on offense. But if they're not going to negotiate against themselves, they're going to wait and let the market dictate itself. And then uh, I don't see anything forcing that, that change unless Lindsey storms into Elway's office or, or threatens a holdout. I don't see him getting paid uh, before the time frame that you listed. So they have him under cheap control. They're not going to lay out money, but they don't have to, but it will come. It's just a matter of time. Stuart, you're getting some merch sent your way no matter what, my brother. Appreciate Donation you. on Super Chat, consistent, taking care of business, keeping the lights on at MHHHQ. 
Appreciate you, brother. Zach, I thought it would be fun. We'll get to what everyone's uh, questions here in just a few minutes, but I thought it'd be fun to kind of shake things up. Here we are in the bye week. We published an article at milehighhuddle.com today grading the Broncos position by position um, at the bye. We got nine games under the belt. And I thought it'd be fun to go through that here with our listeners. And also, I'm sure our listeners would be dying to know what your grades are on these Broncos positions. So let me uh, let me go ahead and do this, change up the screen here. And I'll go through and lay this out for our awesome listeners. Let's see how this looks. Make sure it looks okay for our live viewers here. You guys can see that okay? All right. Let me go through this with you guys. I've got the... We're going to go position by position grading these Denver Broncos at the bye. Again, nine games under the belt, the quarterback position. As a grade, the only thing that saved this position from being an F grade from yours truly was the encouraging, solid, if unspectacular performance by Brandon Allen last week against the Cleveland Browns. But really, Joe Flacco, we've talked a lot about it on the show. Man, those eight weeks felt like a real slog trying to analyze Joe Flacco's play at quarterback. And, you know, there were times the offensive line wasn't great. There were times where his offensive coordinator didn't help him out a whole heck of a lot, but the analytics, the advanced analytics tell the story, Zach. And that is that Joe Flacco was the least assertive, least aggressive quarterback in the NFL, at least as a starter anyway, didn't challenge the uh, opposing defenses vertically, didn't try to fit the ball into tight windows, held onto the ball too long. It was an F. He led the team out to a two and six, two and six start as a position. The only thing that saved it, as I said, and it's a D was Brandon Allen. What's your grade for the Broncos quarterback so far? Yeah, I was going to say Flacco, based on his his uh, his brief tenure as a Bronco, I would say it's an F minus. But being realistic, I would Brandon Allen would bump that up. I agree with you to a D. I was going to say D minus only because Flacco uh, set the table that poorly that even Brandon Allen with his two touchdowns wouldn't bring it up that much. But I'm I'm content. I'll be fair. I'll give him a D also, if only for the hope that Allen gives the Broncos offense. All right, I'm going to blaze through these because I want to. This is the Mile High Mailbag episode, so we definitely got to get to what's on our listeners minds here running backs i gave philip Lindsay and royce freeman as a grade a b plus and i mean it's hard to it's hard to give any team that's at a three and six a, a shining a or an a plus but they're just shy of being exactly perfect and the only thing i think really holding it back is you just want to see both of them run with a little bit more consistency Lindsay's awesome but his plays come in the big spurts you know hit and miss sometimes but he could stand to be a little bit more consistent, and Royce Freeman as well. But still, overall, that's really picking Nitzek. This this running back duo, in my opinion, as good as Cortland Sutton has been this year, we'll get to him here in just a second. These two running backs have been what's really saved and carried this offense through nine weeks. Yeah, they have, and I really don't have any complaints. My complaints fall on the play-calling side. I don't think Scangarello does enough to maximize Lindsey as an outside runner or Freeman as an inside runner. I'm going to go with the B, though, if only because Lindsey is going to fall just short of what he did last year. He's not as explosive. He's not making those game-changing plays. And like the Broncos' record also plays a part in that, too. Still a good duo, still a, a, a two uh, staples of this offense for years to come. I'm going solid B. Offensive line. This might surprise some people, but I graded them as a slightly above average offensive line at a C plus. And if you look at some of the advanced analytics like football outsiders, the Broncos as a rushing offensive line as run blockers are, are ranked number six in the NFL per football outsiders, but number 29 in pass protection. And some of that has to do with the oblivious 
uh, what is it? Pocket presence, I guess is the best way to say it of Joe Flacco for those eight weeks. Remember it was Joe Flacco that these guys were blocking for, for eight of these nine games that they're being graded for, which didn't help him in the pass protection department. He was old. He was slow. He was unathletic. He held onto the ball too long. It was a recipe for disaster. And that being said, I think you saw in week nine, what this unit has the potential to be. And it wouldn't surprise me if this grade climbs significantly between now and the end of the season. That's a really good point, Chad, and the fact that Flacco made the line look a lot worse than they are. And they're not great to begin with, but him holding the ball and having no awareness around him definitely hurts. I'm going to go with C. I mean, I don't really – you don't have a right tackle playing. Uh, your your left guard is pretty good, but, you're, you know, you're, I mean, one of your guards in Leary isn't great. Bowles is, is terrible. I think it's C, considering everything, considering all the turnover and the ineffectiveness and the inconsistency, I think it's C is pretty fair. All right, moving on quickly. We'll, we'll get through these and get to you guys. Tight ends. I graded him a C plus. In all honesty, with the exception of a few spurts of daylight from Noah Fant, he had that 25-yard touchdown, his first career touchdown early on in the season. Then he kind of disappeared. Jeff Hireman, he's been pretty much nothing for the Broncos. Troy Fumagalli, we've hardly seen him. Andrew Beck, solid blocker. The tight ends, it would be a worse grade, except for the fact that Noah Fant, I think last week that performance was a kind of blow the doors down, open up the floodgates, type performance that was worthy of bumping the grade and also giving fans some hope that things are going to be okay at this position. And I'm really excited to see what he can do the second half of this season. I agree with you that fans' performance definitely bumped up the overall grade, but considering they've gotten a relative nothing burger from Hireman, from uh, you know Troy Fumagalli, Jake Budd is still not playing, and Fan was struggling with those drop passes. He was struggling integrating in the offense. I'm going to go C-minus for the tight end grade, which all things considered is pretty pretty good too. I think it's fair. Wide receivers, a B minus. I mean, let's face it. Emmanuel Sanders, while he was still here, he was really good. He wasn't utilized as much as he wanted to be in this offense. Cortland Sutton was getting all the attention from Joe Flacco. But outside of those two players, I mean, last week, Cortland Sutton was the only wide receiver that even caught a pass. So it's hard. I I really had to push it. If it weren't for how good Sutton has been and Sanders while he was here, this grade would be well below a C. But because they've been that good, I got to give the wide receivers a B minus. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and also taking into account the Flacco factor. I mean, he, he made yes. everyone around him worse. So and the fact watching Cortland Sutton blossom despite Flacco, despite the inconsistent play calling, I think a B minus just solely on, on Sutton's development is, is a warranted grade. All right, moving on to the other side of the ball, defensive line. This unit, it was the grade was going to be in the basement. That first quarter of the season, it was atrocious with Shelby Harris playing out of position at nose tackle. But week five, Fangio finally came to his senses. He sent Adam Gotzis to the bench, moved Shelby Harris out to defensive end, and put Mike Purcell in at nose tackle. And since then, it's allowed all three of those guys to really jive and become a formidable unit. Derek Wolf is having one of the arguably the best season of his career, at least from a pass rushing perspective. I give this unit a B minus because it also includes the emergence of Demarcus Walker. I'm with you, and, and Draymond Jones in the time he's played looked pretty good as well. And they, you know, they have one of the best coaches in the business, defensive line coaches. I think that grade you can even bump it up to a B, but I'm with you. I think B minus, all things considered. They started off the season uh, a little lagging, kind of giving up big plays on the ground, but they've really come together. Uh, I, I also go with B minus here. All right, jumping on to the outside linebackers. Let's face it. Von Miller has been a disappointment this year. We're all trying to wrap our heads around, trying to figure out what's going on, how to explain it, how to justify it. I mean, if you look at pro football focus as an example, now their grades, they're, you know, it's not, it's not the Bible ex- exactly. They can be 
arbitrary at times the way PFF grades, but being ranked number 25 as the, the number 25 edge defender, it's it stings, but I think it's fairly indicative of how Von Miller has played this year. And maybe you can chalk it up to just the difference in scheme and his responsibility under what Fangio's doing and the age, but he just hasn't been the same player this year. And then you lose Bradley Chubb, and as encouraging as Malik Reed has been and Justin Hollins, I couldn't give this unit anything better than a C minus. That's I think this is one area where I wear the rose-colored glasses because I really like watching Malik Reed's development. It's not easy playing bookend opposite Von Miller. I mean, he just draws all that attention, and you're just you're on an island on yourself too. Losing Bradley Chubb that was a big blow to the defense. Von hasn't played well. There's no excuses there. But watching Hollins kind of break out last week, watching Malik Reed hold his own as a starter from being an undrafted guy, I'm going to go with this a C for this group. All things considered, I think that's uh, pretty fair, if not a little optimistic. Okay. Inside linebackers, this honestly all comes down to Alexander Johnson because, again, that first quarter of the season, it was ugly. You had Todd Davis hurt early on. Then when he came back, Josie Jewell got hurt, and they were playing Corey Nelson, and it was atrocious at the off-ball linebacker position. Finally, week five, they get wise. They put in Alexander Johnson, and the rest is history. His 41 tackles are the most by any Broncos linebacker through their first five career starts ever he was named Johnson pro football focuses defensive player of the month for October Al Wilson is making bold predictions the the five-time former pro bowl middle linebacker that Johnson's going to be an all pro pro bowl linebacker himself I give this unit by virtue of Alexander Johnson's play which has also elevated Todd Davis a B I'm with you. That's that's definitely a fair grade. He's really been the difference maker. He's been the spark of this whole defensive scheme. I mean, nothing really clicked, it seems, until Johnson got in the lineup, and that just bumped up the grade, I think, from a C- minus into B territory. Having a player like Johnson on the field allows you to have a subpar player like Todd Davis on the field also. It just boosts everyone, and, and watching that youth movement, watching an inside linebacker that can run in coverage and make plays, it's beautiful to see. So, yeah, I'm with you uh, for a B there. All right, cornerbacks, B-. minus. Now, you've got the Denver Broncos as a passing defense, currently ranked number four in the NFL, which you really have to tip your cap to, to Coach Fangio for that, especially considering that he basically has been playing without his number two and number three cornerbacks for most of the season with Bryce Callahan, yet to make his Bronco debut, and Devontae Bosby on injured reserve. Isaac Yadam didn't take that step forward, and so it's been up to Devontae Harris and Duke Dawson to kind of bridge the gap, and I think they've done that. It hasn't been perfect. But in coverage especially, Devontae Harris has really started to turn a corner. And Chris Harris Jr., you know, outside of that one or two plays that he gives up each and every week, you know, he's shutting down his guy for the majority of the games. I'm giving this unit a B-. minus. Yeah, I, my first inclination is to give the, the Broncos in this in this grade a C plus. But considering, like you said, the the injuries they had and not having their secondary together, at least the quarterbacks and, and losing Bosby, I think Fangio's done a hell of a job picking up kind of unknown players and turn them into starter caliber players. B minus is a little on the optimistic side, but I agree with that. C plus B minus right in that territory. All right, two more, and then we're getting to your question. Safeties. I don't know how you could give Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson anything other than an A+. They are the highest-graded unit here at the bye. I give them an A+. They've just, I mean, midseason all-pros, according to Pro Football Focus. Simmons is cruising for a big deal, whether it's in Denver or elsewhere. Kareem Jackson is earning every nickel that the Broncos paid him on that $33 million contract. A-plus from me. 
it took them a little bit to get going to jive and, and kind of grow that chemistry. But once they did, as you've seen the last couple of weeks, they've been outstanding. Kareem Jackson was the pickup of the offseason, and Simmons blossomed finally into that Pro Bowl caliber player like we thought he would. So, yeah, I'm with you, A-plus across the board there. And special teams, who really wants to talk about special teams? It just hasn't been good enough. So I'm going to skip over that and get to the last one here, coaching. I give this overall coaching staff, Zach, and I'm really curious to get your take on this, a C. It's And it's basically just been – the Vic Fangio administration thus far has kind of been a mixed bag. There's been a lot of good from like a player development perspective. You got guys like Walker, Alexander Johnson, Devontae Harris, Duke Dawson, Malik Reed that are emerging and developing, which we didn't really see from Denver's young players during those two years Vance was in town. That's good, but they're losing the close games with only one exception. You know, three games they lost in, as Fangio describes it, as a, on a walk-off field goal. It's just – they're almost there. This is a team that, you know, he's just scratching the surface. He's a first-time head coach. You've got a first-time play caller on offense as well and Rich Scangarello. They're figuring things out as they go this year. I could see this, this season being the type that they can really build on to where they take a quantum leap forward as a coaching staff next year, especially if they can fix that quarterback and get the quarterback situation right. I want to be fair here. So if Vance Joseph, let's say last year, got an F, obviously, Vangio, considering his inexperience, considering the hand he was dealt with Joe Flacco and some of these roster personnel moves Elway made, a C-minus to me, how they started off, the losing streak, Fangio, we thought, had no idea what he was doing. We questioned whether he should have been passed up again and remained a coordinator. Um, C-minus is a good grade for him, all things considered. They're still a 3-16. and 16. They're still a pretender. They're still far away from being a playoff contender. But with all the injuries, all the unfortunate situations, he's really put gum and 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 in, in, the, dike, in the dike. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah. filled the dike, and, and he's really um, clamming up holes. And that's all you can hope for with, with what he's given. C-minus with the potential by season's end to be a C-plus. I think in year one for Fangio, uh, I think Broncos fans would take that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Absolutely fair. Well, that there you have it, you guys. Those are our mid-season grades, basically, the Broncos at the bye. But you know what? Let's take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag, get to your guys' questions, because we are, Zach and I, your football priests, each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And there are a lot tonight. We got a lot of people hanging out with us here. Let's see what Larry has to say here. Will we be able to keep both Strap Harris and Justin Simmons next year? In, in a one-word answer, Zach. Possibly. Uh, it, it will have the cap space to do it. It's just a matter of what Harris wants on the open market and uh, if the Broncos consider him to be part of their future plans. Simmons for sure. But Harris is the question mark. They possibly can do it. I don't think it's a yes or no. I just think it's a fluid situation. Jacob says, Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, two guys who might possibly be available in 2020. No and no. Go young at the position like they have the rest of the roster. The way the Broncos have attacked the pass rush position with Chubb taking the mantle from Vaughn soon. Why are we talking about Tom Brady? I mean, do people actually think he's leaving New England? I don't see that as a possibility. Well, here's, here's what makes it interesting to at least broach as a topic adam Schefter doesn't report things unless he's really being fed something legit from a true source he doesn't just speculate and that came from Schefter. and it's it's hard to believe that tom brady would ever walk away from what he has there in new england but when it comes from Schefter, you have to at least you know pick it up and and put it on the shelf and keep it you know in the back of your mind but here's my thing, though. Even if he leaves New England, why would he come to Denver? What incentive would he have? Uh, he doesn't need money, obviously. He, he wouldn't want to really win. He's done everything. He's accomplished everything. So if he leaves New England, I firmly believe it's to be retired. I don't think he want to tarnish his reputation by joining uh, a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in half a decade. So if, if, if he even leaves New England, Brady, I don't see Denver at all being a viable possibility. This is not Manning Part 2. Eclipse Stormborn with a five dollar donation you. from Philly. Appreciate you, brother. Um, he had a question early on. I'm, I'm going to see if I can get back to it on the stream. Zach, I hadn't. I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about here. I'm not. I haven't seen the article in which PFF has the Broncos as a team rated number six. I'm going to have to do some research and holler back at you on that. Eclipse, have you seen anything to that effect? I haven't. I don't know if that's overall or, or lately or the defensive rankings. They're not a top you know, six team in the NFL. So even if pro football focus is, is being that optimistic, we kind of have to take things in perspective from what we've seen with our eyes. Travis says, what do you guys think about Drew Locke as our starter next year? I'm on the train that he absolutely has to be the starter next year. Even if by the time the Broncos play him this year, and this is a worst case scenario, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but if by the time the Broncos play him, he struggles and it's not exactly blowing the doors down from Drew Locke in 2019, you still have to close ranks around him, invest everything into building around him in 2020, prop him up, rally behind him, and go into that season with him as your guy just to give him the best possible chance to succeed and your team, Zach, the best possible chance to get the right evaluation so you know whether or not he's really your future at the position. And if not, maybe you circle back and you look at a guy like Trevor Lawrence in 2021. 
Yeah, I'm with you on the premise that the Broncos have to know what they have in Drew Locke. I just don't think you can go into 2020 at this point and declare him the starter. He he has to get on the field this season, if only to see if he's developed from the preseason, if he can even be in a competition next offseason for the starting job. Um, All things being equal, though, let's assume the Broncos don't draft a quarterback or, or acquire another one. He should be given first dibs in an open competition, and the field should be tilted in his favor, if only a little bit, because you invested so much in the guy, you don't know what you have in him. See, and that's one of my things that I don't think, you know, you have to play well enough in the NFL to justify your position. But is Chris Harris Jr., for example, going into training camp in an open competition? No, he's he's the man. He's being given every opportunity to succeed. John Elway, with maybe the exception of the year the Broncos drafted Tommy Maddox in the first round inexplicably, he never really, you know, his rookie year going against Steve DeBerg and whatnot, he had to, he had to compete. But once he became the guy, he – never had to compete for that position. You have to earn it. You have to justify your position, but you're not being pitted in publicly and in an open situation in the media and whatnot in an open competition. And so, I mean, Jared Goff, do you see Jared Goff each and every summer? All right, Jared Goff in an open competition with that dude that nobody knows behind him. We'll see if he can close this thing. No, what NFL teams do with their young quarterback is once they pull the trigger, once they start the clock and they play that player, you close ranks. That's the guy. And because, I mean, let's face it, we saw what happens with Paxton Lynch, Zach, when you play a young quarterback. And, you know, even against a guy like Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch was never going to outduel him in an open competition because he was still so raw. He needed those live bullet experiences, and he just never got the chance to do it. Meanwhile, he was having to compete. Whereas with Drew Locke, if you go into this situation where he's just the guy, you weather the storm, you go through the ups, you go through the downs, then you reevaluate at the end of the year. That's how you, that's the best way to do this thing. I agree with you. The only thing is what the Rams don't have is John Elway. And as long as the Broncos have John Elway, we cannot predict if he's going to do the right thing at quarterback. He hasn't done it for years now. So he doesn't deserve to me the benefit of the doubt that he's going to handle Drew Locke correctly. That I cannot dispute. Ben has a quick question here. When will we be able to become VIPs again? What Ben's referring to is for years uh, at 24-7 and even before that at Scout, Mile High Huddle offered a VIP or premium subscription where we would set aside specific content for our paying subscribers. That went away temporarily when we went over to Sports Illustrated. That is going to be coming back here in the very near future, Ben, and all of our old VIPs. Keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, when you donate through Super Chat and things like that and just listening to the podcast, reading the articles, that's the best thing. Sharing the articles on social media, that's the best thing you can do right now to support Mile High Huddle. All right, Chris wants to know, does Sutton have the best stiff arm in the NFL or is it just me? It's up there. I, he's he's really a powerful guy, and he has, I think, more uh, field awareness around him to shrug off defenders and knowing where the sideline is. His awareness is just through the roof, and, and you don't consider him to be this big physical DK, DK Metcalf-type receiver, but he really has all the ingredients of a similar type of, of, a, of a player. I don't know about the best stiff arm, but he's definitely blossoming into one of the best. Yeah, it's something uh, beautiful to behold, and I, I, we're going to get to see a lot more of that over the years too. Yeah. Travis wants to know how he can get some swag. All I can tell you at this point, Zach is working on it. We are working on it. It's in the pipe. It's coming very, very, very soon, and uh, so stay tuned for that. Trust me, we're going to have some good news on that front very, very soon here. We got some conversations about Cam Newton in the in the chat stream. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why people are really. It's not that, worth it, even entertaining. It's really not. Do you do you really want to see not, Cam Newton in Denver? No. 
And it's mm. not going to happen anyway. Why would anyone, anyone, after watching the Super Bowl, apparently, especially, want Cam Newton here? Bottom line, Zach, will we see Drew Locke this year? <sighs> I'm going to say yes. Week, next week, are they going to practice Drew Locke? Uh, pra- practicing, I, that's that's less certain, but I think for sure we'll see him at some point. I don't know when they're going to practice him. Like I said, we can't assume the Broncos are going to do the right thing or the predictable thing. By week 16, though, I think we'll, we will have seen Drew Locke start a game for the Broncos. I agree. I think here's, here's a not-so-bold prediction. I think the Broncos will officially activate him to practice because you got to remember, Brett Rippon is one snap away from mm. having to play, and if that happens, you got nobody else behind him. Drew Locke's the only quarterback that's even healthy, and he's not technically on the roster. So that's a good point. That's my only hope. That's actually going to force the hand here of the Denver Broncos, where you know, look, we got to have a real, we got to get Drew practicing a and b. We got to get him ready so that if something happens in a worst case scenario, we have another guy that we can go to, and then. But, but again, I don't think you're going to actually see him on the field, Zach, as Cliss reported in between week eight, week seven, week eight. You're not going to see him on the field probably till week 16. Which is still, and I'll always say, it's the wrong move. I'd rather have him on the field in week 13, week 12. Just like I said, he needs extended audition time. But I'm with you. If I had to lay a prediction down, I will say that he's activated and starts practicing fairly soon. Trick Lessons podcast coming in with a $5 donation on Super Appreciate Chat. You, sir. you are the man. Appreciate you, brother. He says, has Noah Fant proved his doubters wrong and let's just set this stage really quick zach before i serve this over to you he got out to a slow start and everyone the trope early on this this season was oh man the broncos they should have gone with devin bush trading back and then taking noah fant he's done nothing for us so far then he went on that rat that two or three game stretch in which he was just having a difficult time it appeared tracking the ball in the air dropping passes then he blows the door down the doors down last week at home against the Browns, sets records. He's got 23 receptions on the season, which is already a a franchise rookie record for a tight end. Has he proven those doubters who were talking a little smack and having some buyer's remorse on the Devin Bush front wrong? No, because those fans want instant gratification. It's not going to come with a tight end who is always a project, and tight ends take longer than the average position to develop in the NFL. We've been talking about it since the moment he was drafted. He was a future project. He was a guy that you play – and, and expect maybe a Pro Bowl potential player in 2020 and beyond. Anything you get out of him in this season is all development. And I think last last week, the light bulb kind of flipped on for him. But for those same fans wanting Devin Bush, I don't think it's going to satisfy them. But for the more advanced football fan or ones that have a little more uh, foresight, they know that he's a very high upside player and very low floor player. So they're just getting what we're getting from him right now, which is totally expected. I think, and it might not be so bold of a prediction after what we saw last week, but, and it actually echoes what we, we, what I, we talked about even during, after they drafted him and during the preseason and that long summer. I think you're going to see him really take some massive strides in the second half of the season. We told everybody, we were even getting fantasy questions. Should I draft Noah Fant? You know, that he's not going to be worth much to you the first half of the season. And there's a dang good chance he's not going to be worth much to you in fantasy through his entire rookie season. But the one thing I was saying is if he becomes something as a rookie, it's going to be that second half of the season. And last week, Zach gave me gave me hope that that's exactly how it's going to shake out. Now, Don coming in with a $15 donation on Super Chat there on Thank YouTube. You, Appreciate you, bro. He says, I have tons of questions about how the Broncos are handling Drew Locke, but I don't think God could even answer <laughs> those questions right now. 
great job. You guys do such great work. Appreciate you, Don. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's inexplicable. Sometimes as media, your job is to explain the inexplicable. And when that happens, you start to feel like a crazy person. And that's kind of the the territory we've been led into by John Elway. Diamond says, is it possible to trade Flacco this offseason or are we stuck with him? We're not stuck with him. The Broncos are not stuck with Joe Flacco. In fact, they're not going to trade him. No one's going to take that contract. If what's going to happen is he's going to get cut, Zach. Yeah, I was going to say, don't even compare it to the Case Keenum thing. I'm talking about any Broncos fans. They're not going to get a bag of footballs for Joe Flacco, if only because of his contract. It's just too much right now. And uh, he's either going to be on the roster or cut, and I'm leaning toward, very much leaning toward him being cut. They can, they're not stuck with him. They can get out of his contract. They'll swallow the dead money, take the savings, and move on from Joe Flacco, and hopefully never speak of that guy again. Okay, here's here's what Bob Morris, our cap guy at Mile High Huddle, broke down last week for our readers on the dead money issue with with regard to cutting or moving on from Joe Flacco after this season. Quote, this means the Broncos will be facing a $13.6 million dead money charge in the likely outcome of Flacco being cut. The Broncos will gain $10 million in cap space and coupled with the $16.5 million in space they currently have and the expected $63 million they will have before any cuts are made, they're still going to be in a good position cap-wise. Last thing, There is one point to keep in mind regarding Flacco, though, which pertains to his reported injury. If Flacco is physically unable to play in 2020 because of his neck, the Broncos will have to pay an injury settlement of $1.2 million. But, Zach, that's not going to break the bank. And that dead money charge, it's not enough to forestall the team ripping off the Band-Aid and declaring failure on that experiment. And 1.2 mil, that's chump change. I mean, they would gladly pay that to be rid of Joe Flacco or release him with a settlement. So, yeah, they are not beholden. They are not, uh, you know, obligated to keep Flacco on the roster. I think he'll be cut, not traded in the offseason. Muhammad says, Elway will try to trade for a quarterback. He does not want to play a young quarterback. He does not. It does not matter what we think. We are screwed. I don't blame your thought process. And, and you know, I'm one of these – one of my one of my sayings that I use, I teach my kids this as well, is that it's not an absolute – but the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And what we've seen over that nine years that Elway's been the front office czar in Denver is his model, his comfort zone, his preferred method at the quarterback position is to find a veteran. And, you know, he thought he struck gold and won the lottery on Peyton Manning. And that has kind of colored kind of blinders over his eyes since then. Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, you know, Trevor Simeon, he viewed almost as a veteran over Paxton Lynch. It's, it's disheartening because you know it's affecting and coloring his his analysis on this Drew Locke situation. But, Zach, you just, you just got to hope that they finally wise up and realize that this franchise is not going to move forward one more inch until they have a complete and mighty change of heart when it comes to how they're approaching that quarterback position. Yeah, I'm with you. I would say this comment is a little reactionary considering the Broncos are now starting a young quarterback, so they're kind of going in that youth movement. But all things considered, I don't I don't fault any Broncos fan for feeling like the, the long-term um, status of the organization is in question or they are questioning Joe, uh, John Elway's motives or his moves. He's given no benefit of the doubt. He, he has every reason to be criticized right now, so I don't fault any Broncos fan for being that, you know, that extreme. Couple more guys, then we're going to get out of here for tonight. Trick Lesson says once AJ Johnson started, I couldn't figure out why people kept talking about Devin Bush. According to PFF, he's fat and way better. Yeah, I mean Johnson right now, for what it's worth, you guys, Alexander Johnson is the highest graded inside linebacker in the NFL per PFF, and he's played enough snaps now 
to qualify for that as far as the full season scope for guys like Bush who've been playing since week one. You don't really need to worry about that anymore. We talked about this on yesterday's show that Alexander Johnson has nullified, saved the Broncos bacon, let's put it that way, in their decision to completely ignore the off-ball linebacker position in the draft. Yeah, look what we said. I, I would rather take A.J. Johnson and uh, and uh, Noah Fant versus just Devin Bush alone. So I think the Broncos did well. They kind of lucked into him last year. Uh, it, took, it took him a little bit to get going, but once he he settled in Fangio's scheme, he's been a true difference maker. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't have any regrets about Devin Bush in the draft. Sheldon's bringing up the fact that Devin Bush has given up the most touchdowns in coverage this year. Nick Kendall pointing that out to him. He wanted Bush initially, but seeing that Fant is doing better, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, I would feel, if I were you guys, I mean, I feel better about Noah Fant. I never really was that worried about it. I wasn't worried about it at all, to be honest with you, right. with his early struggles. There are people talking about, Ooh, there might be some real issues there with him tracking the ball in the air. It's like, come on, guys. Just it's just rookie nerves. It's just rookies acclimating to speed of the game. Give the dude time. He's a phenomenal athlete. Eventually it's going to come out in the wash. Eventually it's all going to come out in the wash, especially if Drew Locke, if they actually hit and Drew Locke is the right guy and they finally play him and figure that out. And the thing is, they have uh, Alexander Johnson on a very cost-controlled contract versus Devin Bush, who would have been a first-round contract. So you even consider the money in the in the mix. And uh, I'd much rather have Fan and Johnson versus just Devin Bush alone. Uh, Fan is going to be a Pro Bowl-type player as soon as next year. Salvador, this is a topic, free agency 2020, that we're going to put a pin in, and we're going to circle back in the final quarter of the season. We'll start spending more of our time looking at who the likely free agents are, who the free agents are going to be, where those cap dollars can go. Right now, we still have a season that's going on. We're going to keep it focused on that. But as I mentioned, talking about Flacco's cap hit, his dead, his dead cap hit next year, the Broncos are going to have north of $70 million to spend in free agency next year. And here's what's exciting, Zach. If Drew Locke finally gets to play this year, and if he does well, or at least exceeds expectations on any level, the Broncos are going to be in a position like the LA Rams were uh, last year, the last couple of years before they paid Jared Goff, like the Eagles were with Carson Wentz and even with Nick Foles as the backup, like the Seahawks were with Russell Wilson, where they can invest those cap dollars on other areas of the team, build up the defense, bring Simmons back, maybe even bring Harris back, You know, go pay a wide receiver, go pay an offensive lineman, invest around him because you have a cost-controlled quarterback making hay. That's a great point, especially with Von Miller still making franchise quarterback type money. So anywhere you can save a few shekels, you're going to do it. One name, though, like we talked about, we're not going to get into it yet, but one name, Trent Williams in the offseason. They want to pick up a left tackle, second round pick. They can absorb his contract. That's one move. Then I would have no problem with the Broncos. making. I would be all over that, my dog. I would. I mean, I was advocating for the Broncos to go out and trade for him in the middle of the season before the deadline. And I was getting shot down by even fellow staffers and uh, colleagues at Mile High Huddle going, why are you going to go move mountains to get Trent Williams when this season is going nowhere? And I'm thinking to myself, though, I'm trying to explain to everybody, because 2020, you're going to have Drew Locke. You're going to have yeah. – and if it's not Drew Locke, it's going to be someone else that you're going to need to protect. Right. And Garrett Bowles ain't it. And I think this is the season finally, Zach. 2019 is the season in which the Broncos have finally come to terms with that. If they had any depth at tackle, you probably wouldn't see Garrett Bowles starting right, right now. Next year, you sure as heck aren't going to see him starting. Uh, Phantom Gamer j- jumping in with a $25 Thank donation you. on Appreciate Super you. Chat. Thank you, brother. And guys, you know what? That's going to have to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast Mile High Mailbag episode. 
Thanks to each and every one of uh, of you guys for joining us here, especially while we got an NFL game going, the Chargers and the Raiders, giving us your your ear and, and participating in this conversation. Zach and I look forward to these podcasts each and every day. So thanks to you guys. But we're going to be back. We'll circle back Sunday night. There's no game, obviously. The Broncos are on a bye. There will be plenty of NFL games going on, but the Broncos are off this weekend. But Zach and I, we're not going to be off. We're going to come back with, the, with a live uh, simulcast. Normally that would be a gut reaction where we go right after the game on Sunday. So what we'll do is we'll plan it ahead and we're going to go at 6 PM mountain time, 8 PM Eastern Sunday evening. We'll go live on YouTube and Facebook. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you're going to have a fresh episode of building the Broncos on Saturday, a fresh episode, probably of Dove Valley deep Diver. So plenty of podcast content covering your Denver Broncos to help get you through what is going to be kind of a boring weekend for Broncos fans. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you guys make sure you're following my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter. I'm going to show you how to do it here, right there, at Kelberman NFL. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Don't forget to follow the podcast account, at Huddle Up Pod. You guys have yourselves a great weekend. Thank you again for joining us, and thanks for all of our Super Chat donations. You guys are helping yes. us keep the lights Thank on. You. Zach, have a great weekend, bro. You too, my friend. All right, guys. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you Sunday night. Right here again, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.